One of the most common questions I hear regarding sustainability is how can I reduce my carbon footprint? The answer to that question is not really the same for everyone. For example, a Sherpa in Nepal that spends his time taking people up Mount Everest has a completely different carbon footprint compared to your average urbanite in the United States. That being said, there are three different areas of our lives where we produce our greatest ecological impact. How we travel, how we live, and what we eat. In episode 66, I covered the topic of how we travel. In this episode, I'm going to discuss how we live. So if you want to hear the whole story, then stick around for It All Starts at Home, Reducing Your Carbon Footprint, Part 2. Welcome to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. Your host has lived an off-grid, sustainable lifestyle for over 20 years. His homestead is run on solar energy. He has an earth shelter greenhouse and produces much of his own food. And all of this takes place in the middle of the forest in Colorado. Now, let's join Patrick, the man that not only teaches the skills of sustainable living, but lives that life every day. Welcome back, everyone, to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. This is your host, Patrick, and this is episode 67, which is called It All Starts at Home, Reducing Your Carbon Footprint, Part 2. Going back to the central question I hear most commonly, which is how do I reduce my carbon footprint, as I stated before, there are three areas in our lives where we produce our greatest impact. How we travel, meaning the use of our automobiles, accounts for about 30% of our impact. Our homes accounts for an additional 30%, and how we eat accounts for approximately 18% of our ecological footprint. So these three areas of our lives accounts for about 78% of our total ecological impact. So consequently, if you truly are interested in reducing your carbon footprint, it's imperative that you take steps to address each one of these three areas in your life. The underlying point is that in this three-part series is there is a lot that we can do as individuals instead of just sitting back and waiting for big business and big government to make decisions on how to save the planet. And in many ways, it's a matter of changing some old habits and making changes in your lifestyle. So in this episode, I just simply want to focus on how we live. And that simply means how we manage our homes. I must say from the start that to some degree, I'm opposed to using this term carbon footprint. And it's simply because that term started out as the result of an enormous greenwashing campaign by British Petroleum. And their efforts were put toward trying to shift the blame of global warming from big oil to the consumer. Now, I don't really want to belabor that point here, but if you want more information on that, then go back to episode 52, which is called Your Carbon Footprint is Just a Sham. 
But at any rate, this term of carbon footprint is here to stay. It is a term that's thrown around a lot in the world of sustainability. And if you use that term, then most people know what you're talking about. But I typically will flip-flop back and forth between the terms carbon footprint and ecological impact. But I will say from the start that the carbon emissions from our homes, it accounts for approximately 30% of our ecological impact. But depending on the source that you reference, you you will hear talk of 35% to 40%. So I'm not really going to focus on the particulars of the statistics here, because the underlying point here is really just that our homes is another significant source of our individual impact. Now, there is actually a tremendous focus on this area right now, because architects, engineers, and scientists, and many other folks are looking at ways to construct carbon-neutral buildings and homes. And you will hear this term, it's called net zero energy. And what that means is that a building produces as much energy as it uses. And while this should be our goal, we can't exactly tear down and rebuild the entire world and we have to start with what we have. Now, there are numerous ways to accomplish this, and some will cost almost no money and is a matter of changing some of your habits, and others will cost thousands of dollars and may in fact be out of the reach of a lot of people. But what I want to really start with here is factors that are common to every household. So depending on the source you reference, our households produce 30 to 40% of our greenhouse gas emissions and our ecological impact. So there are a number of different things that factor into this total, such as household waste, the products that we use and consume, and our energy usage, of course, and some of those topics I've covered in some previous episodes. So I'm not going to repeat myself here, but what I want to focus on is the energy that we use. So in August of 2020, the National Academy of Sciences published what some consider as the most definitive study to date on the source of greenhouse gas production from our households. And according to this study, our energy usage alone accounts for 20% of our individual greenhouse gas production. This energy usage is directly tied to heating, cooling, and powering our households, and the carbon emissions is primarily related to the continued use of fossil fuels such as natural gas, propane, and fuel oil. Well, well, you may think that the easiest thing to do here is to decarbonize the electrical grid, but however, that is not going to be sufficient to meet the 28% reduction in carbon emissions in the household sector that's needed by 2050 in order to meet the standards set forth by the Paris Agreement. Other changes are needed such as significant energy retrofits, low carbon energy sources, and even the reduction of the average size of our homes. 
And although homes these days are becoming much more energy efficient, average energy usage in the United States per household is continuing to go up. To a certain degree, the complete electrification of our homes could be the answer. And this is even entirely possible and within our reach with our modern technology that we have. But approximately 62% of our homes are still heated and cooled by the burning of fossil fuels. The stoves and refrigerators we use are horribly inefficient. Air conditioning is also extremely inefficient and heating with natural gas simply increases our emissions. But there are many alternatives. Using a heat pump for heating and cooling is far more efficient than air conditioning and does not produce the emissions of natural gas. Using magnetic powered kitchen appliances are far more efficient than our present stoves and refrigerators and certainly generating electricity from solar is by far the best option. And yes, all of these things are going to mean a huge transition in our culture and something we're perhaps not accustomed to, but our country has seen this type of transition before. For example, coal and wood started being phased out in the 1940s and 50s due to inexpensive and clean natural gas. Leaded gasoline was phased out in the 1970s, and I think that eventually we will start to see the phasing out of fossil fuels in order to heat our homes. Fortunately, many builders are starting to come to this realization that building anything that is powered by fossil fuels is now obsolete the minute construction is complete. And additionally, many builders are looking to alternative materials for home construction, and we may see methods of building that are more durable, storm-resistant, and literally even fireproof. And this is because nearly one-third of the homes in the United States are at risk of natural disaster related to climate change. But as I stated before, we cannot simply tear down the whole world and rebuild it. And this is because the average lifespan of a residential home these days is somewhere between 100 and 200 years. And that said, if we are to make headway in reducing our ecological impact at home, we have to work with what we have and we have to change our habits and lifestyles. We just can't go along and take things for granted any longer And while we all sit back and wait for big business and big government to make up their minds, there is actually a lot of things that we can do. And that is why I say it all starts at home. So to get your thought processes going here, I want you to start thinking in terms of decarbonizing your home. Because this is one of many ways in which we can be more conscious of our lifestyles make better choices, and take one more step towards sustainability. The first step really is to think in terms of the energy efficiency of your home. And when designing and building my cabins, eventually, especially the newer one, I paid attention to every detail because 
the best step to going all solar is to first maximize your energy efficiency. And you can start by improving the insulation of your home and eliminating air leaks. This may simply be a matter of replacing some molding around your doorways and caulking your windows. While wall insulation is more difficult, increasing the insulation in your attic is often very easy to do. The next easiest thing is to look at the efficiency of your doors and windows. Most modern homes these days have double pane windows as a matter of standard, but make sure everything forms an airtight seal. Installing insulated blinds, which is what I have in both of my cabins, greatly improves your energy efficiency. And if you have areas of your home that get very little sun exposure in the winter, then purchase a roll of window insulation that can be cut to fit each window and keep those windows covered. I very often do this in the winter, especially when the temperatures get down to single digits and it makes a huge difference. And keep in mind that during the summer, if your home gets a lot of direct sun, you can use these same techniques to insulate against excessive heat and thus reduce your need for cooling. Now there is a product that I particularly like because I use it all the time and it's called Reflectix that I found at a home improvement store and it just simply comes in a big roll and it costs about $25 and but you can also find this product online as well but just get online and search for RV window insulation and it should come right up. So another simple technique is to take advantage of natural lighting. If at all possible, install some skylights or solar tubes that divert natural light to your home and this will reduce your need for artificial lighting. One extremely simple thing is to also convert all in-home lighting to LEDs. And I did this before installing solar at the cabin and it reduced my energy usage for lighting by literally 70%. And one other really simple thing to do is to eliminate what is called phantom loads or what some people like to call vampire power. And this simply refers to the energy that our devices consume even when they are not in use. There was actually a time when something was turned off, it was truly turned off, meaning it's not consuming energy, but that is not the case anymore because practically everything is digital. It is estimated that as much as 20% of our base load electricity consumption is solely related to appliances and equipment in off or standby mode simply so they can be powered up quickly. The issue is that many of these devices that were previously purely mechanical have gone digital. Washers, dryers, stoves, refrigerators, thermostats, coffee makers, microwaves, etc. all have digital displays and consume energy whether they are being used or not. So for example, 
a Samsung cable box uses 28 watts when it is turned on and 25 watts when it is in standby mode. So the solution to this problem is really very very simple. Unplug your electronics, devices, and appliances when they're not in use. Set your electronics to energy save mode when not in use and turn off the monitors for your computer when they are not in use. Use a power strip to turn off all devices at once. And this is the same as unplugging something from an electrical socket and it prevents vampire power or phantom energy usage. You can also use more energy efficient appliances especially those that are certified by the Energy Star program. And unplug devices when fully charged and unplug small appliances when not in use such as your coffee maker and your microwave. Because the bottom line, what I call our always-on consumption rate, cost Americans $19 billion a year and translates into 50 500 megawatt power plants of electricity. Now that is a significant unnecessary strain on the environment. And speaking of our wonderful digital age, one of the true advantages is that we now have smart devices and smart controls for our homes and if you do not have a smart thermostat, then you should invest in one. Because this enables you to control what is going on in your home from virtually anywhere. And of course, one of my favorite options is to power your home with renewable energy. And solar is truly the most common application. And depending on your location, wind and geothermal may also be an option. The cost of renewable energy has gone down so significantly over the past 20 years and additionally with government incentives and tax rebates at the federal and state level it makes more and more sense to install solar. Now a 100% off-grid capability is probably your most expensive option just because of the cost of the batteries but the grid tie system is very common and is often much, much more affordable. And if you're considering renewable energy, then considering going all electric. Modern high efficiency all electric appliances, such as induction cooktops and heat pump water heaters, are far more efficient than gas appliances. So it's literally a win-win situation. And if you're considering replacing older kitchen appliance, appliances, then go with something that's far more efficient, even if you spend more money up front. And since I am already all solar, I personally use these high efficiency DC appliances, um, that being the refrigerator and the freezer, and both of these appliances running 24 hours a day uses far less electricity than one 50 watt light bulb. So if you could do any one thing, it would be very inexpensive to set up a small solar array with battery backup sufficient to run your refrigerator and your freezer 
and at least have that part of your home completely off the grid. And of course, another fantastic option is to use an on-demand water heater. And since the homestead is run completely off solar, this is what we do and it completely avoids using energy to keep a constant reservoir of hot water that is only used a small percentage of the time. And you would be surprised to know that I have used an electric clothes dryer only once in the past five years. I accomplished this by hanging my clothes outside on the line to dry and when this is not possible, which is mostly in the winter, I actually have an indoor clothesline. And by the way, that line is also a good place to hang socks because our little dog thinks they are the best possible chew toys. Now, there are many other ways to decarbonize your home that I've covered in previous episodes. Things such as reducing your food waste and recycling, composting and conserving water. And I am sure that there are many other options as well. So if this really sounds like a lot, then allow me to give you a good example of just what can be done. I think most of us are familiar with this huge, iconic building called the Empire State Building. And construction of this building was completed in May of 1931. And it has just over 2.7 million square feet. Ten years ago, the Empire State Building was literally an energy-guzzling monster. On a daily basis, this building was consuming electricity sufficient enough to power 40,000 U.S. homes. By upgrading windows, lighting, insulation, and installing a new energy management system, carbon emissions were reduced by 40% over 10 years, and additionally, the entire building has been run completely off of renewable energy since 2011. Our homes are truly a prime opportunity to reduce our ecological impact. There are simple, affordable changes that can be made that are much less complicated than what the owners of the Empire State Building had to undertake. Investing in sustainable improvements in your home will pay off for years to come. So do your homework. Look into federal and state level incentives to install solar. Take steps toward increasing the energy efficiency of your home. Unplug your devices when not in use. Go all electric. Use an on-demand water heater. Reduce your food waste. Recycle conserve water, and compost. In the end, the point here is that while we sit back and wait for big business and big government to decide the fate of the world, there are many things we can do as individuals. We can start by not being part of the problem. And that starts by living more consciously and making a commitment to change your lifestyle and making a commitment to be more sustainable. 
And remember that when it comes to our homes, the greenest energy is the energy that we never use. So this wraps it up for episode two of this three-part series, It All Starts at Home, How to Reduce Your Carbon Footprint. So stay tuned for my next episode that will cover our ecological footprint related to how we eat. And don't forget, of course, to take advantage of the resources listed in the transcript of this episode. So if you have enjoyed my podcast, then please take the time to leave me with a review. You can also subscribe to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast, as well as my companion blog, Off-Grid Living News. But until next week, this is your host, Patrick, signing off. Always remember to live sustainably, because this is how we build a better future. Thank you.